Guys, this is Maria Hall. Uh, everybody say hi, Maria. Yeah, because that's how we roll here. Um, we are going to, uh, we're going to have a chat with Maria. We can pull up our stools here. Um, if you guys just are joining us and you're, and you're a guest here today, uh, my name's Chris. I'm a pastor here at Venture Church, and Maria has been uh, traveling the world for the mm-hmm. last year. She's been uh, with a group called World Race. We'll, we'll yeah. hear about that adventure in just a minute, but she's been uh, all over the place doing all kinds of things, and so um, you've been busy. Yeah. Um, where have you most like recently? Where have you most recently come from? Um, Chile. Ooh. Um, so I was in uh, Santiago this month. My team was stationed there, and then the last week we were in Valparaíso, which you can't say without a Spanish accent. Say it again. Valparaíso. No. Say it again. Say it Valparaíso. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so That's uh, we did like a debrief there, and then uh, flew out, and I got in yesterday morning. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So. Uh, so. A lot of us don't know exactly what World Race is. What, what's that about? What is that? Um, so World Race is a mission trip that goes to 11 different countries in 11 months. Um, so each month you partner with a different ministry, church, organization, um, and you do basically whatever is needed to come alongside them in their ministry um, to spread the love of Jesus and further his kingdom. Um, it is an amazing adventure. Um, I was with about 45, 50 other people, um, and we just got to travel the world for Jesus. So, wow. Yeah. So a lot of you guys got to follow Maria on her blog or on Facebook, and it's crazy. I mean, just, just a few short years ago, we wouldn't have been able to keep up as well, but the Internet's a, a cool thing. Yeah, Facebook yeah, is yeah. Um, uh, it's not just for bad things. I it's know. also for good things. <laughs> and so, uh, so um, what are some of the types of uh, things that you guys do? Um, so I did, like in Albania my first month, I did prison ministry um, and drug rehab, and that was really amazing. Um, I have some awesome pictures that I would like to share with you. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, my heart. So um, these are two little boys that I met in Malawi. Um, so in Malawi, our ministry was preaching. I preached a lot. Um, we did a lot of home visits, just going to different pastors' houses. Um, and then actually in our off time, not our scheduled ministry, we ended up meeting these two guys who run this um, organization for street kids. And these are two of them. And so they kind of became a big part of our ministry that wasn't scheduled. But um, we saw God do awesome things. Um, so that's them as well, just walking down the streets of Africa. Um, and then I think there's one more of them. I just love these boys. I just want to love pictures of them all day. Um, their names are Mata and Innocent, and then the one on the end is Gift. Um, what, their names are Innocent, Gift, and... Mata. Mata. Yeah, so Mata is the one in the mustache shirt. I never saw him in a different shirt, and he loved that shirt. Um, some days he would turn it inside out, though, so it was like a new, a new shirt. Um, and then, then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that's Innocent. Um, and then that other little one is Gift. Um, wow. And, yeah, it was You spent really a lot of time meeting children? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so our ministry wasn't actually with children, but there are kids literally everywhere in Africa. And every, every time you walk anywhere... Little kids run out of their houses, Azungu, Azungu Bo, which means like, hi, white person. <laughs> um, and so, the, I mean, they can just call you a white person. You're like, well, that's what I am. Um, so like everywhere you go, you're getting yelled, Azungu, and it's the cutest little thing ever. Um, so let's see, next picture, what do we got? Uh, so that's in Zambia, me preaching in Zambia, because that's all I did, ever. Um, and so we put on seminars and preached at churches. Um, and you had never really preached Oh, sure I had not. Yes. Um, And the beauty of, like, internet is not really a thing in Africa. Um, And so they'll tell you, oh, uh, we need you to uh, preach tomorrow. And you're like, okay, great. Oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So I'm sitting there, like, by candlelight in my Bible, like, 
coming up with a sermon, um, but... I've been there. Yeah. No, we, we have electricity in our house, but... Uh, uh, yeah. That's nice. Same thing, my dear. Like, I didn't have a concordance in my Bible. I had nothing. So, like, that was a lot of God-led, like, okay, what do you want me to talk about? So, awesome. that was cool. Um, and then, what is that? Oh, yep. Oh, look at that. Preaching again. Um, <laughs> weird. I have a lot of pictures of that. Is this also Zambia? Um, yeah. And um, we always had a translator, obviously, because that was awesome. Um, in Zambia, the, uh, the national language is English, but most people um, speak Nyanja. And so you always have a translator. You have a couple of people in the room who actually speak English, but most times you need a translator. So that made it easier because then you can preach, and then while they're translating, you're like, get your thoughts together. So yeah. this will be the first time I preach in all English. So <laughs> woo, prayer's going up for that. <laughs> nice. So you were all over. I guess there's a few more. Oh, yeah. I just think there's a few. Uh, Thailand, I taught English. These are some of my students. It was at, like, an official school. These are all, like, official, official adults. I don't know. What is non-official? Um, and then is there any more? Oh, yep, then this was last month in Chile. Um, we were at a special needs school doing, um, just helping out there, and this was my class, and oh, those kids all have my heart. I love them a lot, a lot. I spent a lot of time with them. They were, they're a ratty group. And I but... see you found a, is that a llama sweater? Yes, I did, alpaca sweater, yeah. Still... Not llamas, alpacas, alpacas. Okay. yeah. Um, and I didn't then... mean to offend any alpaca advocates. <laughs> Everything is alpaca in South America, yeah. Everything. Um, and then, uh, this is also last month, we worked with a, an orphanage just down the street from where we were living, so these are some of the girls from there. So, wow. yeah, that's just some of what we did. We did a ton. Yes. We're not supposed to show that one yet. Pretend you... <clears throat> anyway, it's not to spoil the You surprise. saw nothing. You saw you nothing. You saw nothing. So, okay, so you were all over. You're in, was, uh, you was. spent some time in, in, uh, in Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. You spent some time in, I guess, Southwest Asia. Yeah. More or less. Mm -hmm. You spent some time in Africa, mm -hmm. some time in South America. You've yeah. been all over. Was there a place that you felt was like, this was my favorite? Um, so for most of my race until last month, um, Malawi was. Um, I just fell in love with Africa. Everything about it, the people, the land. Um, I was in love. And so I was like, okay, that's where I'm going back. That's where I'm going back. Um, and then I got to Ecuador. Um, and we stayed with an American family there, so that was really nice. Um, and... I loved it there. I was like, okay, no, this is my favorite month. Um, and then last month in Chile, it was like, no, this is it. Hands down, everything about it. The people that we lived with, um, the ministry that we got to do, just the way I got to see God working in those people was incredible. Wow. Um, so those are, I think, some of my favorite months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so you did a lot of different things. It looks like you did a lot of preaching. I mean, you, when you were with us mm -hmm. regularly, Maria was just a regular person doing mm -hmm. a lot of things with our church. You were in a small group. You did a lot of stuff with our city team, serving the city. But probably the thing that most people know you for is singing. Mm -hmm. On Sunday, did you get to sing much and do much music? Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> they love having people come in and sing. So uh, in Africa, I, I brought my guitar with me, which I sent home later because I just stopped playing it. But uh, in Africa, we, every time we went to a church or something, they wanted us to um, sing, which <laughs> it's, it's funny because you get to Africa and all their songs are like upbeat, like acapella, and they're like preaching, like through singing, and it's, it's this really, really upbeat thing. And then we get up there as five white girls, and we're like, your praise will ever be. And it's just like <laughs> dead. And you're like, I'm sorry, this is how we do it. When I don't clap, have any like, clapping yeah. in this song? We tried to add <laughs> clapping to songs, and it got weird. We're like, your praise will ever be on. I don't, there's no way to make this more like Africa. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so did a lot of that, a lot of awkward singing. Um, one of my teams was a girl, a bunch of girls who 
don't really sing. Um, and so that, that, yeah. uh, that was great. Um, I did, we did have some like awesome, awesome times of um, singing though in Greece. We actually got to spend a week in Greece um, making a new contact and there was a time where we went out um, and sat in front of this, we were in Thessaloniki and we, um, a group of us just went out in front of this thing called the White Tower, it's like some historical thing. Um, and just sat there and worshipped. Um, and this place is full of tourists, and so a lot of them speak English, so they know we're singing about. Um, and so just, you know, just worshipping so that the people around you can hear, and so it's not just like a thing that you're doing, but just sharing it with everyone around you. And so we had people come up and like sit there and worship with us, or kind of, oh, what are they doing there? Um, and that was, that was really amazing. Um, so as the time went on, we just, there were places that asked us to sing, um, and... It was really, it was awesome. I loved getting to sing about yeah. Jesus all over the world. So. Yeah, it, it, one thing that struck me is, so Maria and I were able to uh, correspond a little bit through Facebook throughout the trip, and one of the things that really struck me was uh, we think about missionaries, especially as Americans, and we, we seem like we're kind of privileged and we want to go out and save the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think of third world countries as like, that's where missionaries need to be. Yeah. Um, but more and more, uh, and, and it's been that way for a while, Europe is a place where like God is, is, is dead in some oh, ways, yeah. to pe- in people's minds. Yeah. And so uh, to know that you went to Romania and Albania mm-hmm. uh, as your first stops, yeah. was that surprising to you at all? That, that was um, a- it was. And, and coming into this, you think, okay, missions, you go to Africa, um, mm-hmm. you know, or you go to Central America or something. Um, in Albania and Romania, I was, uh, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, Albania, it's like, Nothing. No one. Nobody are Christians there. Um, and so just seeing that, because it's not something that you expect. Um, Albania is also a, a very poor country. Um, and so it was, it was kind of a shock. And then I got to Romania, and there is a lot of witchcraft there. Um, there was a, like, a, there's a huge, uh, oh my gosh, I can't, Rome, Rom, Romani, there's one that's like not politically correct correct you can't call them gypsies uh but they are uh, <clears throat> they don't like that so um you have romanians and you have romani so romanis are gypsies and they are very into witchcraft um which brings up a lot of like really really intense heavy spiritual stuff so romania was actually one of my hardest months because um, i really really felt the weight of that there yeah. Um, so that was surprising. Yeah. So we've kind of been on like almost a slideshow of a cool family vacation up at this point. But yeah. like, like what this really is is about a spiritual journey for you. And yeah. so um, I've had the opportunity to go on some world missions trips, never as long or extensive as yours. I did spend two months once in West Africa. And so what, what I've experienced and what I've heard other people <laughs> experience is this. I want to set it up this way, actually, for those of you who might be thinking about some sort of missionary work or whatever, just kind of put this out there. But the way I've heard it said, I'm curious if you think this is true, is that uh, there's kind of two scales of missions work. One is the long-term missions trip. Mm-hmm. This is the guy, the lady, the family that goes and they move somewhere for mm-hmm. 20, 30 years. And they really make an impact in that indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the big win, the big powerful changes in the people there. Mm-hmm. Then there's the shorter-term tri- trips, which even though you were gone for 11 months, mm-hmm. each one of your yeah. trips was short. Yeah. Um, and and that, that, that powerful change is in, in the missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, now, have you, did you find that to be true more um, for you? Yeah. And then my bigger question is, I, I wonder how much of a roller coaster it must have been because you experienced the short-term change in you, but then yeah. you got to start all over in a new place. Yeah. Was that a roller coaster? Um, it really, really was. And going into this, I knew that there were going to be things that were hard about it. There were going to be, um, you know, hard times. But in my mind, I was like, but I'm going to be surrounded by 45 Christians, and they're just going to lift me up all the time. Um, and that did happen some, but... 
this is one of the, it is probably the hardest year of my life that I've ever had, um, and not just because of the, of the physical part of it, like living out of a backpack would just, I, you know, you feel like you constantly, okay, I'm going to heal from this and I'm going to grow from this. And then you like break down in some other, you know, area of your life and then you have to wait for God to build you back up in that. Um, and, you know, you go through this period where uh, you see what's going on in the rest of the world. You see the pain and the hurt that's out there. And we have that here too. And that's one thing that I learned is like, you know, you think, okay, missions, you have to go somewhere else because that's where they need help. And the further or the longer I was away from America, I was like, we have just as much of that here. Um, but it's harder to see because we just live in it every day. Um, but so you go to these other countries who don't have as much and they have so much hurt and so much pain. Um, and it really, really starts to get to you. And I had a lot of spiritual droughts. Um, and I, I don't think I was expecting that. There were times where I didn't feel God as much as I normally do. Um, and that's hard because you expect to just, you're surrounded by Jesus all the time, you're preaching Jesus, but um, when you're never going to an English church service, you're never, um, you're never being like full up, all you're doing is pouring out, it gets really, really hard. Um, and so I think one of, one of the things that I learned through that was if, okay, if I'm not getting filled up by going to church, what is it that, that I'm going to be rooted in? What is it that I'm going to find to fill me? Um, and so those were the times that I had to take everything in me and just really work to find something to build me back up because who I am and, and what gives me joy is Jesus. Um, and so making sure that I was rooted in Scripture and that I was reading the Bible and even on the days that I didn't want to, like, I'm just going to read today, all right? But, like... <laughs> just doing it um, so that it didn't depend on my situation or my circumstance. I always had God with me. Um, and so I know that in my future, even here, I'm going to go through hardships, but I think that this year kind of helped me to realize how to deal with those. Because, um, yeah, I have 45 other people that I can talk to about it, and um, you know, some of them have gone through it too, but like, sometimes they're just as tired as you are. Yeah. Um, and so, like, you have to get it back from Jesus. And so that was definitely a big lesson. Yeah. Do you feel like the trip, in, in a way, did it, did it reset you at all? Were you able to kind of, like, I mean, there was Maria before the trip, and mm -hmm. then there's Maria now. Yeah. Um, and you kind of got, found a new footing there. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, before the trip, obviously I was a Christian. Um, but, like, there were just so many other things that it was easy for me to get distracted by. And this kind of just took all those away to realize, to make me realize what is important, and what is important is God, and that, and that is what, like, I need to build my life around, um, so it did kind of reset me and just be like, okay, I'm going to take you from here with all these distractions and put you here so that you can realize this is what I made you for. Wow. So, um, we can wrap up our, our conversation here and let you, I know that you've got some things you want to say mm -hmm. to us here this morning beyond this, but I want to kind of go on a little time machine journey here. Let's rewind two, three years, maybe mm -hmm. more. Uh, before you and I met, before you started being a part of our church family, uh, and, and you know, a lot of you don't maybe not know Maria's story before that, but I mean, basically, I guess we can summarize it quickly, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of craziness that even brought you to Wilmington yeah. in the first place. Yeah. You kind of came here just kind of looking for yourself, yeah. uh, <laughs> and you found a job here, and you found some friends here, but I think God really snuck up on you from behind and, yeah. and surprised you, and you didn't necessarily find Maria, you found Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, and better. so Yeah, and so it's like, wow, that's... That, that, just watching that transition. So I, I imagine, I know that sometimes I sit and listen to people talk, and I hear everything you just said, and I'm like, 
Well, good for her. Mm. Good for her. She traveled around the world. Good for her. She had <laughs> spiritual droughts, but she's on the mountaintop now. <laughs> good for her. But um, you haven't always been here. Yeah. Uh, I know you haven't, and you know you haven't. And, yeah. and I'm curious, what would you say to someone, any of us, all of what would you say to us right now to say, listen, wherever you are now, mm-hmm. you know, God can use you or whatever. What, what would you yeah. say? Um, so, yeah, like I said, some of you kind of know my story. Um, some of you don't. So I, uh, I actually became a Christian about two and a half years ago. Um, I grew up, I knew who God was, that was it. Um, I had a lot of bad circumstances in my life. Um, I mean, it wasn't like all bad, but um, I went through some things, never knew how to deal with anything in my life, always turned to the wrong things, was always partying, doing stupid things, um, and tried to just get out of my life that way, tried to get out of my pain and all this stuff. Um, And so then, like you said, coming here, I kind of was looking for myself, um, and I found Jesus instead. And I guess the thing that I would share is that, like, there is literally no point in your life where you are too far gone. There is no amount of pain that you can go through. There is no amount of mistakes that you can make um, because Jesus, because of God. Um, And I would never in a million years think that I would be sitting here today saying, oh, I just got back from a year-long mission trip, or oh, I love Jesus. Like, not even that. Um, But... God has a plan for you, and he's going to make that plan happen. Um, And so it's just knowing that no matter what, Jesus will be there. And he is going to love you. He's going to show you grace, and he's going to show you mercy. Um, And so just, just root yourself in him because he's the one who's going to take you further. He's the one who's going to bring you joy um, and let you know his plan for you. So... That's good. Uh, well, I know there's some more that you just want to share. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in Africa, you probably had to preach for, you know, three, four hours. Uh, we, we, we ain't got to do all that. But, oh, thank goodness. Okay, um, I'm going to have to cut some of my So, hi. Um, I cannot tell you how happy I am to be here today, um, to get the opportunity to share uh, what I've seen this year, what God has done in my life, what God has done in other people's lives. Um, it's a really awesome opportunity to share. So when Chris first asked me if I wanted to preach, my first thought was, oh my gosh, it's the day after I get home. <laughs> okay, that's fine. You're just keeping on the world race. Um, and so, but I knew that it was something I had to pray about. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was speaking because God wanted me to and not just because I have a million stories that I could tell. Um, so I prayed and I asked God, you know, okay, do you, do you want me to do this? Do you? Um, and he said, yeah, I do. I want you to tell people about my power. And I was like, ooh, okay, all right. Um, so when I left on this trip, um, okay, so throughout this year, I've gotten to see God in a completely new and different way. Um, I have seen miracles. I have seen all the things that you think of on a mission trip. Um, and it has done nothing but make me love him more and have more faith in him. Um, I have countless stories from this year that can attest to God's power and his might um, but there are a couple that, that stick out to me. And when I came to, you know, what do I want to say during this time, um, I think part of it is I just, I just want to tell some stories. Um, I do want to teach through that, but I think that just the testimony of what God has done is enough to just tell you about his goodness. Um, so when I left on this trip, I knew God was powerful. But I honestly had no idea just how powerful he was. Um, I was craving to see that he was the same God that I had read about in the Old Testament, um, and that he was, you know, the same person as Jesus, you know, walking through, and 
I wanted the power that Jesus had and the power that he gave his disciples. Um, so Hebrews 13.8, um, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's simple, but it's true. Um, I wanted to know that, though, and I wanted to experience that. Um, I quickly found out that more than anything, I needed to have faith for that to happen. And I found out that my faith was seriously lacking. Um, Matthew 17, 20 says, if you have, you know, if you have faith, faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. So I thought to myself, well, surely I have that amount of faith. Um, and I didn't. I was not moving any mountains. Um, and I would see people on my squad praying over literally everything because they knew that there was no thing that was too big or too small for God. Um, they had more faith than I did. And so when we got to Africa, we were told by our squad leaders that, you know, while you're here, you're more likely to see possessions or miracles um, because this is an extremely spiritual place. People in Africa don't have a lot. I mean, we know that. And so what they do have, they know is from God. Um, when they get a headache, they can't take an aspirin. So they, have, they pray for the headache to go away. Um, so they are very, very spiritual in just the way that they live their whole lives. Um, and so about a week and a half in, we go to a house visit of this pastor. He had some people from his church come over. And um, I taught something in Ephesians. And then afterward, the, the pastor says, you know, I feel the Holy Spirit with us today. And I just want to heal someone. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm down. I'm in. I'm in on that. Um, <clears throat> so he says, you know, is there anyone here who's in pain? So this woman, uh, Edna, gets up. And she says that she's been having incredible pains just like everywhere. And every time she breathes, she has stabbing pains. And you can tell, you know, she's just like hunched over and trying not to breathe. And so we said, okay, cool, great. We'll pray over. So we, we walk up to her, you know, put our hands on her and start praying. We pray for probably two or three minutes. And then afterwards, we asked the pastor, you know, to ask her how she felt. And she said, well, I feel a little bit better. And, and so we said, okay, let's pray some more. So we pray probably about two or three more minutes. And, uh, and when we're done, she sits up and we said, okay, take a deep breath. And she takes a deep breath and she's, okay, okay. And so he says, you know, she, she feels better. Um, and my faith grew a little bit, but I think part of me was like, well, I can't see it. I can't see that she's healed. Um, she could just be saying it. I don't know. Um, but there was a part of me that was like, okay, I could see that being God. All right, cool, I'll take it. So my faith grew a little bit. Um, about a week and a half after that, we were at one of our several nine-hour-long church services, um, and one of my teammates preached, and then afterwards, um, we asked if there was anyone there who wanted prayer for anything, for healing, for your family, for anything, and we get swarmed by like 20 women. We're like, okay, we're going to be here for a minute. Um, and so, because we didn't want to just blanket pray over him, you know, we wanted to pray for each individual one because we thought it was, you know, it's important enough for that. So we go through and we're praying for all these different things. Um, and there's, there's a woman who comes up to us and she says that she, for about three months now, she can't keep anything down. She throws up almost everything she eats every time. Um, you can tell that this woman has like nothing left in her um, and that she's always, always in pain. And so we pray over her, and then afterwards, I don't think she necessarily felt better, but we didn't feel called to pray anymore. Um, so we prayed for everyone else. So the next day, um, on Monday, we left for ministry. We left, went around, and then we came back, and Mama Rose, the, one of the wife of the pastor that we stayed with, she comes around, 
and um, just starts like yelling at me in Chichewa, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. I have no idea what you're saying. And she's just pointing and pointing, and so I walk around the woman, or I walk around the woman, I walk around the corner and I see the woman standing there. And this woman has like light in her, and this woman looks like she's okay, and this is the woman that we had prayed for yesterday with the stomach pains. Um, and she is just beaming. And so she's uh, telling through our translator that God healed me, God healed me. I woke up this morning and I was hungry. And I was like, wow, that is awesome. And uh, it was only me and two of my other teammates, so I like run around. I'm like, oh my God, guys, come. So we go over and we talk to her. And it was like, you could, you could tell that this woman was healed. And so that day, my faith grew some more. And I was like, okay, all right, I can do this. Um, so... Fast forward to Zambia the next month, um, I, I wanted to see something big, and like big, big. And so I prayed and I asked God to show me something huge and something that I couldn't even think about denying was him. Um, so he said to me, then you have to do what I say. And I was like, well, I don't know what that means. Like, I think I'm kind of doing that. I'm here. Um, and he says, when I ask you to do something, I want you to do it. And I said, Okay. So um, there's one day that we are outside of a hospital and we're under this big tree and we're just praying for people there, people who are coming in, people who are leaving, people who are sitting there. Um, and I'm sitting behind this woman and she starts to tell our, our contact how she's been deaf in her left ear for like three years. And so, so God says to me, put your finger in her ear. And I said, I'm sorry, what? Uh-uh, this is not that time where I'm going to do what you said. No, no. And he said, put your finger in her ear. And I was like, this is weird. I don't know this woman, and oh my gosh. So he says, you wanted me to prove to you that you had my power within you. You wanted me to prove to you that I was the same God yesterday, today, and forever. I told you to do what I said. And I was like, oh, I'm really, and I ain't fighting this. And... And then I get the Bible verse, Mark 7, and I have no idea what it is. And I'm like, this is not helpful to me. I don't know what this Bible verse is. Like, you couldn't, um, you could have, like, you know, actually told me the verse and not just Mark 7, So I don't do anything about it. And then my contact looks at me and he goes, Maria, put your finger in her ear. And I was like, oh, my God. All right. Pop. And I just stick it in there. And I'm like, ma'am, I am so sorry. This is just as weird for me as it is for you. Okay, all right. And so I start praying over this woman. And partially through my prayer, I realize I've been going at this the wrong way. I have been asking God to show me over and over his power instead of just having faith. I have been asking him to prove himself to me instead of being the one who steps up and having faith. Um, and faith isn't asking God to prove something. It's believing just because. And so I didn't need more example. I didn't need more examples of his power. Um, and so I started praying like I never had before, and I'm like going to town. Um, and I knew that God was going to heal that woman. I knew it. I had no doubt in my in my mind. So afterwards, I take my finger out, and and I look at my at the contact, and I start to say, "Hey, can you ask her?" And as soon as I say that, her head whips around and she looks at me. And I was like, oh, my God. He just healed this woman's hearing. Or he healed this woman's hearing. Yeah, that, that's correct. Um, and I was like, okay, this is awesome. 
Like, I knew that because I had had faith going into it, um, and because he's powerful, he's God, this woman was healed. And so, um, so right after that, we're praying for someone else, and I open my eyes, and I look over, and uh, I see two women carrying a man over to us. The man can't walk, um, and it kind of seems like there's something wrong with him. So she comes and sits, and they set him down over by us. And then as soon as we're done praying, I ask Barnabas, our contact, if we could go pray for this guy. So we go over, and he asks him what's wrong. Um, and I didn't get the whole thing. I think Barnabas was too excited to pray, so he didn't tell us everything that was wrong. But he said, like, he can't walk. He can't walk. And I was like, I know we got that much, but, like, do we have any, do we have any other information I should go off of? Um, but basically, this man hasn't been able to walk for years. Um, and so I said, okay, all right. We're going to pray. This man is going to walk. Let's do this. Like, I mean business. Um, and so Barnabas starts praying. And if you have, okay, people in Africa, when they pray, they are like all up in it. And, and Barnabas is like, and Jehovah, and then it was Jehovah. And he's like yelling at this man, and he's like hitting his legs. And I'm like, okay, you get it. I'm going to be back here, and I'm just going to pray. I'm like, you do your thing. Um, I'm not going to hit this man. I don't know. Um, so we pray, and, and then as soon as we're done, he looks at the man, and he said, okay, get up. So the man kind of, like, shifts over, and he gets halfway up, and then the man stops. And Barnabas looks at him, and he said, do you believe that God healed you? And the man thinks for a minute, and he said, yes. And he said, okay, get up and walk. And so this man gets up, stands up completely by himself, and just starts walking around. And I just lose it. I'm, like, crying, and I'm like, thank you, God. I you are so And I am, like, I literally just witnessed a miracle, a visible miracle. You know, the other things, the, the woman with the ear and all that, like, those are things that I couldn't see. But I just saw God make a lame man walk. That is incredible. Um, now, none of you need to go out into the world and go to 11 countries in 11 months, um, to know that not only God is the same today or yesterday, today, and forever, but that he is just as powerful and that his power lives within you. Um, it is everywhere. It is all around you. And so we already have an entire book full of stories about God's power and his greatness and his might and telling you over and over that you have that power within you. Um, we hear the phrase, God's not dead, all the time. But I think a lot of us don't know how much power is behind that statement. And I can tell you right now that we do not serve a God who is dead. We serve a God who is alive, who is out there working in the world. And you may never see the things that he's doing in the rest of the world, but I can assure you that he is doing them. And not just because I've been there, but because I have faith that he is that God. And um, it wasn't over when, when Jesus died. It wasn't over when he rose from the grave, and it wasn't over when he ascended into heaven. He is still just as alive in this world today as he was back then. Um, and so my challenge to you is to test out what I'm saying. Because if there's one thing that I've learned is that when people tell you something, you need to take it to God. Um, and this is not my message. This is God's message. And so the first step is to have faith that the, that everything that I'm saying is true, because God asks you to have faith in his power, in who he is. Um, 
he, my challenge to you is to go out and do something about it. Um, I want to look at Ephesians 1, 18 through 21. Um, so it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which, has been, to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I had to read this verse like six times because there's like so much in it. And I was like, okay, I need to sum this up. That power, that power that God has that is above everything in this world, that is above all dominion that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, that power is something that you have inherited. That is something that he has given you and he's given it to you for a purpose. He has given it to you to go out into the world, to go out into Wilmington, North Carolina, and to glorify him, because that is what we are made to do. We are here for God. Um, the other version, or the other version, the other verse is Romans 8, 11. It says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit is in each and every one of us. And I hope that you all know that. Because it is the coolest thing in the world to know that Jesus, God, Holy Spirit is inside of you. And he is so that we can have the power that he had. Um, this can be as big or as small as you want. It can be going out. When we were in Malaysia, we were waiting in the hottest sun ever for like 40 minutes waiting for a bus. And we're like, oh my God, we're going to be here till we die. And someone was like, God has the power to bring that bus. And I was like, oh, okay, so let's pray for it. So we pray, you know, God, can this bus show up within two minutes? Okay, thanks, that's it, amen. Minute and a half later, a bus shows up, and we're like, oh my God, that's crazy. <laughs> and then it became a thing, because we were always waiting on buses, that's my life. And every time, we'd be like, oh yeah, why haven't we prayed? Okay, Emma, you pray for it this time. Two minutes later, a bus shows up. So it can be something from praying for a bus to show up, or you can walk down to the hospital and start praying for healing over people. And let me know if you do, because I would love to come join you. Um, but do something, because God displays his power and honestly gave us his power for a reason. It's so that we can go out and do something for him. He wants us to have an active faith. He doesn't want us to have a faith where we come to church on Sunday and call it good, because we know who he is. Um, he calls us to much, much more than that. And, and you can do that right here. Um, so I want to pray for you guys um, and just kind of wrap it up. And thank you for listening. Um, so, God, we love you so much, Lord. We thank you for giving us the power that we have, God. We thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us. Um, and we thank you for giving us the power that you exerted when you raised him from the dead. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us believes with every ounce of our being that you are alive, you are here, you are powerful, and you are doing something in this world, God. I pray that every person here goes out to do that. I pray that we, that we walk the streets of Wilmington, God, and we just start praying. We pray to see your power. We pray to see your goodness and your glory, God. I pray that we glorify you through our actions, through our words, um, and through the way that we love people. 
God, I pray that you just continue to reveal yourself to us. Lord, you are wonderful and mighty and powerful, but you are gentle and sweet and kind, and you love us, God. And we thank you for all of those attributes that you have that make you who you are. I pray that every person here today just grows closer to you, God, that they continue to seek you with everything that they have, God, because you are a good God. You are a God who is full of love and who created each and every one of us for a purpose. Lord, reveal that purpose to these people, God. Let us know what it is that you have in store for us, God. No matter where we are in life right now, whether we're kind of unsure about you or we know that you are our one true love, God. Reveal yourself to us. Reveal your power and your plan to us, God. We trust you. We trust you and we love you with everything that we have, Lord. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your power and for your goodness. And we pray all these things in the name of your son. Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank Maria for her time. <laughs> Guys, th- this, uh, I don't know where you are in your walk with God. Even to say the phrase walk with God right now might be weird for you. You came because... It- I don't know. I don't know if there's this person in the room, so I'm not calling you out, okay? But you might just come because you're a friend of Maria's from work when she used to live here, you know? And like you're just here and you're just here to support her. You might be here because your friend invited you on some random day and you're just here. And you hear all these stories that Maria just told and you're like, okay, that just sounds, I don't know. That sounds like good for her, right? And I don't, and you're skeptical. And let me tell you, this was Maria two and a half years ago. She was you. And the reason we say we are church for people who don't like church is not so that we can skirt around being holy or or being spiritual. It's not so we can like skip through and be like, we're trying, we're pretending church. It's because we believe that there is a spiritual world in which Jesus is king and that there is spiritual battle happening in this world over our souls. That's why we do this. And the reason we do church for people who don't like church is because we want to be a place in town where someone who might not ever go to church anywhere else would feel comfortable coming so that they can hear stories like that. And so if you're kind of on the edge of that right now and you're just showing up today and you're like, I don't, I don't even know how to take all that. Can I just give you one invitation? Just come hang out with us again. Come one more time. A lot of you guys are that person who came one more time and you came one more time and you came one more time and then you realize it was six months later and your life had been absolutely changed and so I just want to encourage you just come one more time to hang out with us or shake somebody's hand today or someone else listen to maybe like Maria said maybe God's kind of poking on you a little bit and and he's just saying listen maybe you should invite so and so out to lunch today just do that listen at the end of our teaching time each week we have a chance to just reflect on what's been said And so this week we have something to kind of help with that in your seats along with all the other papers in that packet. If you you wouldn't mind grabbing one of those and reaching over and grabbing one that wasn't in your seat, maybe no one's using it. There's a little card and it just simply says, uh, does it say my race? Is that what it says? Uh, It says my race. Uh, Maria's been on the world race, but in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, Jesus uh, teaches us this. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is a group of people who have gone before us. They're the witnesses of what God can do. People like Maria who have gone out and seen it. They surround us. We're surrounded by these witnesses. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let's throw it off. There are things that hold us back from moving forward with God. And maybe it's because we don't want to stick our finger in someone's ear. That's the weirdest story I've ever heard. And I love it. 
And maybe it's just that you decided to get up and fight the snooze button this morning and get up and come to church. You just, you threw that off. It was entangling you. It was holding you in bed and you said, I'm going to throw it off. It says, throw those things off to the side and listen to this last sentence. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. God has marked out a race for each one of us. Not all of those races go to 11 countries in 11 months. And my guess is most of them don't. Most of them go to your 9 to 5 with your lunch break, with your neighbor and your grandma and your crazy Aunt Sue and people in your life. And that's the race that God marked out for you. God says, throw off the things that are holding you back from running that race and live it for me. Maria said that the power of the Holy Spirit lives inside each one of us, and I want to add to that just a little bit. That Holy Spirit is only acceptable, accessible to those who say, I'm going to live for Jesus. And if we haven't said that yet, the Holy Spirit is standing at your door knocking. That's what the book of Revelation says. He's standing there knocking, like, let me in. I want to have power in your life, but you got to let me in. And so... Um, Take that little card that was in your seat. This is my challenge for you. At this time of reflection, um, take a second and just whatever comes to your mind, maybe you just want to jot it down on that card. What's the race marked out for you? Maybe there's a, something that you need to toss off, something that's entangling you that you need to get rid of. Maybe there's something that you feel like I just need to do for God. Maybe it's just a little prayer. God, help me have faith. Write that on that card. In this next few minutes, in addition to that, we'll also have our communion stations. There's two at the front and two at the back. Every week we have a time of communion uh, where we celebrate Jesus' raising from the dead. He's given us a, a meal to remember him by, a little cracker that represents his body that was broken and a little cup that represents his blood that was, that was spilled for us and to remind us that he defeated death for us. And so if you're someone who's living for Jesus right now and you want to do the communion thing with us right now, this is cool because all around the world... That's what people are doing. They're celebrating Jesus raising from the dead. So those are some things you can do over these next couple minutes, just two minutes or so. You can sit. You can write on your card. You can just sit and think about everything you heard. Uh, and also, if, if it's in your wheelhouse and you want to get up and do communion uh, around these tables and just celebrate what God has done, we'll do that too. So if you're a Venture Church regular, if you wouldn't mind breaking the ice and uh, getting up and doing communion first, let's just have a time of reflection and communion right now.